Today on the Matt Wall Show, there is an epidemic of loneliness and despair in our culture, and all the evidence shows that it's hitting men the hardest. But our culture's prescription for this problem only makes it worse. We're told that the way to make men happy is to make them act like women. I'll explain why that's horribly wrong. Also, Michael Orr, the subject of the hit film The Blind Side, now says that he was taken advantage of by the family that took him in. But I am highly skeptical of this story. I'll tell you why. And the story, the uh, star of the Snow White remake just can't stop talking about how much she hates Snow White. In our daily cancellation, a viral video explains why parents are jerks if they bring their children basically anywhere in public. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. This is uh, great news for new and current PureTalk customers. PureTalk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just $20 a month, you'll get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love Pure Talk. They're veteran-owned and only hire the best customer service team located right here in the great USA. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Walsh, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. That's puretalk.com slash Walsh. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. If for some reason you're still holding out hope that some of the public health experts that you see all the time in the national news media actually care about the public or health, consider the story that did not dominate the news cycle this week. And here's the headline. 49,449 Americans killed themselves last year. The data just came in a few days ago. That's the highest number of suicides ever recorded in the country's entire history. Now, if you viewed that as a problem worth solving as quickly as possible, as any decent person does, then you'd uh, draw, you'd want to dive much deeper into that data. You'd want to know who exactly is committing all these suicides. You want to know their age, sex, race, occupation, and so on. And then you'd pres present your findings honestly as a, as a starting point to addressing the problem. But nobody from any major media outlet or public health institution is doing that. They're not even trying. Instead, we're getting these uh, quick hit reports like this one from Good Morning America. Watch. Now with America's favorite doctor, Dr. Jan, and she's looking at a pretty alarming statistic. U.S. suicides hit an all-time high last year. You guys, just under 50,000 Americans died by suicide last year. That is thought to be the highest rate since the dawn of World War II. Um, and, you know, you guys know that I lost my ex-husband to suicide in 2017. Um, he was a physician. There are certain groups at higher risk than others, veterans, physicians, um, LGBTQ youth. What we do know is that we have got to reverse this trend before someone becomes a statistic. So what the doctor tells us is that uh, veterans, physicians, and LGBTQ youth are particularly at risk. And she doesn't delve more deeply into the numbers, though. Neither does anybody else in that segment, which lasts less than two minutes. You have to wonder if that's deliberate, because there's a certain demographic group that's somehow missing from the ones the doctor mentioned in that segment. It's a demographic group that commits suicide at a far higher rate than any other and has for many years. And that is men. Last year, men accounted for roughly 80% of suicides. I say that again, 80%. I had to go back and check it because I almost didn't believe the number. 80% of suicides are men. Now, men living in rural areas were particularly vulnerable. As of the latest data, men working in the professions of mining, quarrying, 
and oil and gas extraction have the single highest per capita suicide rate in the country and more than 54 deaths per 100,000 men. Construction is the next highest category. Now ask yourself why Good Morning America made special mention of LGBT youth and physicians, but forgot to mention that nearly all of the suicides are men and blue collar men in particular are at the highest risk. You hate to think that media producers in New York don't want you to hear about the fact that men are killing themselves. You'd like to believe that they care about men and minors and oil and gas workers and not just physicians and LGBT youth. That doesn't appear to be the case. Most outlets are doing exactly what Good Morning America did. In their write-up on the data, for example, Reuters uh, didn't mention the difference between male and female suicide rates at all. Instead, they implied in the second paragraph of their article that the problem is not enough gun control. The real problem, according to Reuters, is that there isn't enough gun control. That's where the suicides are coming from. And so that means that the real problem is that you haven't given the Democrat Party uh, enough power, which is a very dumb conclusion to draw, first of all, because it's an assault on our constitutional rights, but also because getting rid of guns would simply eliminate one of the dozens of possible ways for a suicidal person to commit suicide. It wouldn't do anything to address the fact that he is suicidal in the first place. This is a long-standing trend in the media. Scour through the last year or so of coverage on suicide rates in this country, and you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone talking about how many men specifically are killing themselves. To the extent you do find any reports on men committing suicide, it's always filtered through some lens of racial equity and BLM. Here are just a few examples from recent months. Watch. And Boss's death comes on the heels of new CDC data showing suicide rates have risen for black and Hispanic men between 2000 and 2020. ABC News medical contributor Dr. Darian Sutton joins me live now to talk more about this. And we should note that this topic can be triggering. Sometimes we just have to have some tough conversations to bring to light issues plaguing our communities. This morning we're talking about suicide in black men. New research shows an alarming number of young black men are dying by suicide and the numbers are growing. Health experts from across the state have gathered in Columbus to address suicide awareness in the black community. NBC4's Jonathan Jackson met with those experts to discuss what is leading to the growing rate of suicides. So there's an epidemic of suicides by black men, the media insists. Now, is that true? Well, here are the numbers from the CDC to the extent that you can trust them. Last year, white Americans accounted for more than 37,000 suicides, while black Americans accounted for a little over 3,800 suicides. Now, accounting for population differences, that means white people are killing themselves at roughly twice the rate of black people. And that's in keeping with data we've, uh, we have going back the past few years, data that's widely known. In 2017, the New York Times ran a whole story about how black people were about one-third as likely to kill themselves as white people. Of course, the Times suggested that there was some unknown flaw in the data that explained the disparity, and they sort of hand-waved it away. But what's really going on here? Why are so many media outlets unwilling to talk honestly and directly about the suicide rate afflicting men in this country? Whatever the reason, they're not just hiding data on suicide rates. They also rarely talk about all the other obvious, verifiable signs that men are suffering in this country in ways they never have before. Approximately 70% of homeless people are men. And the total number of homeless people in this country has more than doubled in the last three decades. Meanwhile, men are far more likely than women to use and overdose on virtually every illicit drug that exists. The number of these overdoses has increased dramatically in just the past 20 years. You can see on this chart here, uh, 
Fewer than 20,000 people overdosed in 1999. In 2021, that number was over 100,000. Men account for the vast majority of those deaths. Women are nowhere close. Along the same lines, young men report that they're single at more than twice the rate of young women. Statistics concerning unhappiness and depression are similar. Uh, we all know that men are far more likely to end up in prison, to drop out of school, to fall victim to violent crime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's causing this? Is it random statistical noise? Is it some combination of globalization, feminism, hashtag Me Too, and uh, you know, modern monetary theory? No one seems to care, which tells you a lot. To find anyone talking honestly about these problems and what's causing them, uh, you have to turn to YouTube personalities. For example, here's one YouTube channel's attempt to address what's happening to men in this country. And this person begins by uh, talking about social media, the rise of dating apps, the decline of the economy, among other factors. And here's her conclusion. Watch. A lot of men's value comes from the money they make, unfortunately. Men are natural providers, and if they have nobody to provide for, they get into FinDom or send random girls on the internet money. I'm just kidding, but the fact is, a lot of men simply feel like they don't have a purpose anymore. Whether a job or a career that's fulfilling and pays well, or a woman or family to protect and take care of and provide for, men are lacking purpose. And a man will crawl through broken glass for a purpose. And there's a lot of truth to what she's saying there and in, and in the whole video, which is worth watching. That video has uh, 1.5 million views in just the last week. So you can tell that people are, are desperate to find answers to this problem, but they can't look to the corporate media to provide it or even to acknowledge that the problem exists. What this YouTuber who goes by the name Shoe on Head talks about uh, would, would go a long way towards explaining the rise of despair, loneliness, listlessness among men. But then it gets to the question of solutions. What is the solution? And that's where this conversation really starts to break down. And to show you what I mean, here's one corporate media outlet that is willing to acknowledge some of the struggles men face, but the prescription they offer is downright terrible. It would be hilarious if the issue wasn't so dire. This article uh, that was just published comes from the Washington Post, and it's written by a woman, of course. And it's, it's impressive in one sense, which is that it manages to reach exactly the wrong diagnosis on every single aspect of the problem. The article is called, Men's Groups Are Embracing an Alternative Conception of American Masculinity. Now, the whole thing reads like a parody. So if you're able to, you should check it out immediately. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. The Washington Post wants to give us the real story about why men are long, lonely and how best to combat that epidemic. And, and what's their suggestion? Well, just to summarize, basically, they say that dudes should lie around doing breathing exercises and smelling incense while some guy named Rua gropes them and whispers stuff like this, quote, I invite you to maybe bring up an intention, how you want to live in this world, how you want to love in this world, how you want to be in this world. Now, that's not an exaggeration. That's a direct quote from the article. The men's groups that are, uh, the article profiles are not, these aren't Bible studies or flag football leagues, you know, the kinds of men's groups that men would actually want to join. No, these are new age, touchy-feely group hugs where men learn how to get in touch with their feminine side. Later in the session that is uh, being documented there by the article, the men start screaming and sobbing and crying and letting their emotions, quote, flow freely as they are, quote, released into the darkness. Now, the article goes on to quote a bunch of experts who, quote-unquote experts, who all say the familiar things about how men are lonely and lost, 
because of toxic masculinity that encourages us to be too stoic and too reserved and so forth. It laments the, quote, cowboy mentality that has allegedly contributed to the problem. Now, the masculinity expert who coined that phrase about the cowboy mentality is a woman named Niobe Way. And she, of course, quickly identifies the real victims in the story of male loneliness. Can you guess who the real victims are? Who's most put upon by male loneliness? Well, Niobe says it's women. Think of the women. Men are lonely. Women most impacted. She says, quote, women end up being the therapists for their husbands and more are getting sick of it. Yes, God forbid wives have to listen to their husbands and offer them solace and comfort. They're sick of it, says masculinity expert Niobe. That's not a conflicting message at all, is it? On one hand, men need to open up more. But on the other hand, if they do open up, then they're putting an unfair burden on their wives who are being asked to do too much emotional labor. Okay, then. By the way, women, uh, just a quick note. If you feel like you're sick of hearing about your husband's troubles, just keep in mind that he hears about yours about a thousand times more often. Now, meanwhile, a consultant named Mark Green says this, quote, If a boy expresses too much emotion or too much need for connection, is too giddy, is too joyful, what we we say to that boy is, what are you, a sissy? What are you, a girl? What are you, gay? It's your job to dominate those around you or you'll lose status, and that will increase the number of individuals above you who can dish out dominance to you. And what we find is that in that system, in that structure, men are constantly in competition with each other and constantly driven by this sense of anxiety. So that's the real problem. Too much competition, too much stoicism, too much, uh, men are too combative and aggressive, and we got to calm all that down. Well, the problem with this theory is obvious, or it should be, okay? If a cowboy mentality and too much macho stoicism is what is driving the epidemic of lost and lonely men, then why is the problem getting worse over time? Everyone agrees it's worse now than ever before. I just went through some of the many statistics that prove that. This is a major problem. Yes, men are in bad shape. But if that's all getting worse, then how can we blame traditional notions of masculinity? There's no doubt that it's far less common for boys to be called sissies these days or labeled gay as a pejorative. I can't remember the last time I saw a boy being lambasted as a sissy because he's being emotional. That almost never happens anymore used to be very common. And again, it certainly was more common, um, you know, back in the day, 50 years ago or at any other time in human history. Indeed, historically, the push for a man to be strong and dominant and unemotional was much more pronounced than it is today. In fact, uh, historically, if a man didn't exhibit those traits, then he would die and his whole family would die. It's only in recent times that it's even been a feasible option for men to be feminine and soft and in touch with their feelings. And it's also in recent times that men have lost all sense of themselves and their purpose and place in the world. Speaking of the cowboy mentality, why didn't actual cowboys have these problems? If a cowboy mentality leads to despair and suicide, then we should find a whole hell of a lot of it when we look back at the latter half of the 19th century which was the era of the cowboy. But that's not what we find. You know, the Post's overall thesis can probably be best summarized in this sentence from the article, quote, American men's isolation stems in large part 
from a pervasive cultural belief, experts say, that men should be self-reliant and hide their emotions, especially from other men. The absurdity of the premise could not be any more clear. Would anyone argue that the cultural belief that men should be self-reliant and hide their emotions is more pervasive today than it was half a century ago? Of course not. So again, if that's the cause of the problem, why is the problem worse today? The trends are clearly going the other way. The correlation works entirely in the other direction. As society loses traditional notions of masculinity, suicides increase. This is undeniable. It's not debatable. You could try to explain that correlation away all you want, but if you deny it or pretend it doesn't exist, you lose all credibility in this discussion. Now, these experts are correct that men need fellowship, and men are missing it these days, and that is part of the problem, definitely. But they even miss the point on that end, too. Even when they're right, they end up being wrong because they encourage men to fellowship in the way that women fellowship. You know, they tell men to sit around and talk about their feelings, do some yoga, listen to soft music, hold each other and cry. That's not the kind of fellowship men need or want. Okay, we can't expect corporate media's masculinity experts to understand this because their masculinity experts are all effeminate. But any normal man can attest that men tend to bond while engaging in a shared activity. And I don't mean yoga, okay? I mean like one that doesn't require a lot of talking, like sitting and watching the game or fishing or golfing playing pickup basketball, and so on. I went out fishing with my brother-in-law a few weeks ago, and um, when we came back, my wife asked me what we talked about, and I said, I don't know, nothing really. You didn't talk about anything? You didn't talk about it? Well, we talked about fishing. You went fishing, and you just talked about fishing? What's going on in his life? What's going on? What did you talk about? We didn't talk about much. She, She was shocked and confused because women don't operate that way. But men and women are not the same. And you cannot hope to help men or offer them any roadmap out of despair if you don't start by acknowledging that basic fact. Now, when it comes to true male fellowship, the problem is that society has closed off many of the opportunities for that kind of fellowship. There are no men's lodges anymore. There are very few bowling leagues and that sort of thing. Most men's spaces have either been shut down or feminized. It's been decided that men should socialize like women and with women or not at all. Yeah, women barge into every male space and say, I want to be a part of this too. Include me. And then the men just end up walking away from it. They say, it's not pointless now, now that you're here, frankly. It's like the men's lodge exists because to be a place where you aren't so so that we don't have that. We don't want that here. Well, that hurts my feelings. I want to be included in everything. And then those same women turn around and say, well, why aren't men fellowshipping at all? Well, maybe because you won't butt out? Maybe because you won't allow it? Maybe because you want to make everything about you? This is the message across the board. Society beckons to men and tells them that their salvation is to be women. And then we wonder why so many men are killing themselves. We live ultimately, ultimately, For all the talk of patriarchy, we do not live in a patriarchy. Ultimately, we live in a matriarchal society with institutions either run by women or by effeminate men who in their arrogance simply cannot accept the fact that men are different from women and have different needs and desires. So this is the real problem. 
It's not that men are too focused on masculinity. It's that masculinity has been neutered, castrated, driven out of society, leaving men feeling lost and without purpose. Our notions of masculinity aren't too traditional. On the contrary, they aren't nearly traditional enough. The solution isn't that we sit around and talk about our feelings. It's that we do a whole lot less of that sort of thing and get back to being men again. And if we can be men in a society that embraces and values our masculinity, suddenly this tide of male loneliness and despair will start to ebb. That is the solution. There is no other. Now let's get to our five headlines. Most people only think about poor air quality when we have fires like the ones that just happened in Canada causing New York to be a strange orange color that made the air quality absolutely terrible. But have you stopped to think about the polluted air in your day-to-day life? You and your family's health may be affected by the air quality in your home. Allergens and germs floating in the air you breathe can make you sick. But the good news is that there's technology out there that helps you purify your living space easily and affordably with EnviroCleanse. You'll never have to worry again. EnviroCleanse is an in-home air purifying unit designed to destroy cold and flu viruses, allergy-inflaming toxins, molds, and even more. EnviroCleanse promises far fewer colds, allergies, and better sleep. Their air purifiers come in all sizes, colors, and prices to fit every budget, and they offer additional products like a surface cleaner and laundry detergent. EnviroCleanse is the air purifier we use in our home, and I love it. It gives me the peace of mind that I need than to know that my family is breathing healthy air. The last thing I need with uh, how often I'm traveling is to get sick or for anyone in the family to get sick. EnviroCleanse offers a simple solution for keeping me healthy and our family healthy in tip-top shape. Uh, breathe in pure air and live a healthier life. Visit ekpure.com and use code Walsh for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home air purification unit. Right now, you can also get their free air quality monitor test plus fast free shipping. That's $150 in savings. EKPure.com, code Walsh. That's EKPure.com, promo code Walsh. I want to start with this story that's gotten a a lot of attention recently. And here's the report from ESPN uh, a couple days ago. We'll have the update in a moment, but here's the report. Retired NFL star Michael Orr, whose supposed adoption out of grinding poverty by a wealthy white family was immortalized in the 2009 movie The Blind Side, petitioned a Tennessee court Monday with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. The 14-page petition filed in Shelby County, Tennessee, alleges that Sean and uh, Leanne Tui, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never adopted him, uh, claims that they never adopted him. That's the claim. Instead, less than three months after Orr turned 18 in 2004, the petition says, the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. The petition further alleges that the Tuies used their power as conservators to uh, strike a deal that paid them and their two birth children millions of dollars in royalties from an Oscar-winning film that earned more than $300 million, while Orr got nothing for a story that would not have existed without him. In the years since, the Tuies have continued calling the 37-year-old Orr their adopted son and have used that assertion to promote their foundation as well as Leanne Tuies' work as an author and motivational speaker. Quote, the legal filing uh, quotes, the lie of Michael's adoption is one upon which co-conservators uh, Leanne Tuie and Sean Tuie have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward, the undersigned Michael Orr. Michael Orr discovered this lie to his chagrin and embarrassment in February of 2023, when he learned that the conservatorship to which he consented on the basis that doing so would make him a member of the Tui family, in fact, provided him no familiar relationship with the Tuis at all. And uh, that's the basic story. So 
The media loves this story. They're so happy about this. ESPN reporters are, it's, are, are, it's orgasmic for them. They are, are in are orgasmic delight over this story. Because you have to understand, the media and the left hated the Michael Orr story. They hated the blindside story because it's a story of a white family rescuing a black kid from his abusive and neglectful parents and giving him a better life. Um, it's a story, in their phrase, of a white savior. And so they hate it. Now, when the movie first came out, a movie that I didn't particularly particularly like, by the way, I, you know, I, I thought it was like cheesy and hammy, and I, I didn't I didn't like it that much. But when it first came out, the media loved it, and it won Oscars and everything like that, um, because that was in 2009, before Barack Obama had a chance to set race relations back 50 years. But in recent years, the left has started to view the, the movie very differently, and now they hate it. And then Michael Orr comes out, and and what do you know? Look at that. Turns out the media realized suddenly that the story was actually bad. And soon after that, Michael Orr also realized that the story was bad and went to the media and said, hey, by the way, you know, you're right. It, it was bad. This is all very bad. Let me tell you how bad it was. And the media goes, oh, look at that. we were right that we were right. But I mean, we have a narrative and it just so happens that, that it fits right into the narrative. Wow, that's great. So this already makes me highly skeptical. I mean, if you hear about this story as told by ESPN or any outlet like that, and you accept it at face value, then I don't know what to say. You are too stupid, it, just in general. Like, you you need to not be that stupid. Stop being, stop being stupid. You, you need to not be stupid anymore. If you hear a story like this, I've seen many people on social media, including uh, conservatives, Sharing this, this sense, oh, I can't believe that they would do that to him. Clearly, you know, the original reporting on this story must be absolutely correct. There's nothing to be skeptical about it at all here, and I am shocked and appalled. No, um, anytime something allegedly happens that, that seems like the media wished it into existence, you need to take it with an enormous heap of salt. Now, it doesn't mean that it's automatically false, just playing the odds, like every once in a while, something will really happen in real life that is that works with the media narrative. Most of the time, they have to lie to make things fit the narrative. Every once in a while, just again, play the odds. Like every once in a while, something will happen that the media doesn't even need to lie about. And, and they'll say, well, that's nice. We can take a break from lying for, uh, for the next 45 seconds. But... Um, that's very uh, rare. That's few and far between. And so you got to be very skeptical. And I am here. This one doesn't pass the smell test at all. You know, I, I go with my gut on these kinds of stories and, I, and I've literally never been wrong. Okay. I mean, I, it's, I'm batting a thousand. So when I see a story like this and it's race involved and all this, like this kind of thing, uh, I go with my gut. I make a call. I've never been wrong. I've never led you astray. So when I'm looking at something like this and I say, nah, it's, this isn't right. This doesn't sound right. I've never, I just, I've never been wrong. And so I'm telling you, and if I'm, if I, this ends up being the first time I'm wrong about it, then fine. But I'm telling you this, I'm not buying it. I don't buy it. Um, and, and more is going to come out about this thing that is going to cast, we're going to start to see, you know, uh, start to see it very differently. That's my prediction. Um, and now that's, obviously we know that the blind side movie is a movie. Okay, so you don't need to tell me, well, you know, it's not all correct. There are details. Of course it's not all right. It's a movie. I'm not a moron. Like, I know that. 
Okay, it's, it's, it's probably 85% made up. That's, it's based on a true story, usually means like maybe 15% correct. Even if they can have 2% correct, they can still say that it's based on a true story. Um, so that I don't doubt. But if you want to tell me that the twoies are actually, you know, and if you want to tell me that they're not, well, as you know, they're, they're not selfless heroes, that it's more complicated than that, I believe that too. Most people aren't selfless heroes. Most people are just human beings. And uh, so that doesn't surprise me. But the narrative we're getting now feels to me like a shakedown. And it doesn't make a lot of sense, okay? Uh, like he's 37 years old and just found out that he wasn't adopted. He didn't know that before? At the age of 37, you just, how? How did you not know that? Also, where did anyone ever claim that he was adopted? Now, I admit that I haven't watched the movie in a long time, but I don't think that claim was even made. The ESPN starts their, their article. How do they phrase it? Um, whose supposed adoption. Did they ever claim that he uh, was illegally adopted? So... So what's going on here? Did Michael Orr squander his NFL money and now he's turning on this family to try to shake them down? Is he going full Kaepernick? Is he looking for relevance and attention? Does he want another movie deal? Here's the real blindside story, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that to me seems more plausible. And then we get the update. This is from the New York Post. Michael Orr, the ex-NFL star whose story inspired the Oscar-winning uh, film The Blind Side, allegedly asked his adopted family for $15 million not to go public with claims they swindled him, according to the family's attorney. Sean and Leanne Tui said through their legal representatives there is no credence to Orr's claims that he was uh, fooled into a conservatorship and rubbished claims the couple made millions off his life story. Their lawyer told TMZ Sports Orr was instead the principal offender who has repeatedly threatened to plant a negative story about the Tuies in the press if they didn't cough up an eight-figure check. Attorney Marty Singer said over the years, the Tuies have given uh, Mr. Orr an equal cut of every penny received from the blind side. Even recently, when Mr. Orr started to threaten them about what he would do unless they paid him an eight-figure windfall, and as part of that shakedown effort, refused to cash the small profit checks from the Tuies. They still deposited Mr. Orr's equal share into a trust account they set up for his son. So that's, that is the, now the good thing is there's, this is a dollar and cents thing, much of it. So if they get, you know, they're saying, yeah, we gave him plenty of money. And if that's not true, if they're lying, then it'll be easily disproven. Or it could be easily proven if it is true. It's like, this is one of those literally show the receipts thing. If they can show the receipts, then the whole claim is bunk by Michael Orr. Um, so maybe they're making some kind of claim publicly that they that is false and that can be easily disproven. I tend to doubt it. But this is the version that sounds like that That lines up with just what makes sense. It's, it's the most plausible version. It's exactly what it sounds like to me. You know, even before I saw this update about their, 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 them saying this is a shakedown, he was demanding money from us so that we, we wouldn't, that I wouldn't, he wouldn't go public. Like before I read that update, it's exactly how it seemed to me. And if that's the case, then this is a guy who was, uh, who was taken out of this horrible circumstance, rescued from an abusive and neglective house, you know, neglectful house and family, uh, cared for by this other family, given a chance in life. And now he's turning around in public 
and, uh, and throwing them under the bus for money. Which, you know, even if he has some legitimate complaints, which he probably does, like in any human relationship that goes bad, there's almost always blame, some kind of blame on both sides. It's very rare that you've got a, a clear-cut villain and then a clear-cut victim, and the victim hasn't done anything wrong at all. It doesn't usually work that way in human relationships, especially when there's time and money involved. Um, so even if he has some legitimate complaints, you can say, oh, they did this, they did that, whatever, you are still turning on these people in public, throwing them under the bus, crucifying them in public, people who have cared for you, and you're doing it for money. And there, there are, that is almost never justified. Because that's what it's all about. Like he's a, they're all millionaires. He's a millionaire. If he's not a millionaire, millionaire anymore, then he's an idiot who managed to, to waste all that money. And I don't know if that's the case. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, he was been paid millions of dollars, and he's doing this for money. And even he doesn't deny that. And it's just, to me, it's just despicable. All right. I also wanted to mention this story. It's from a couple of days ago. Um, and some people are asking me about it. You know, I kind of skipped over it, I suppose. The Daily Mail, candy brand Skittles is facing backlash after partnering with Glad and alerting some of its, uh, altering rather, some of its packaging to include Black Trans Lives Matter messaging. Images of the packet on social media prompted an outpouring of criticism on Twitter, with uh, many likening the woke marketing to Dylan Mulvaney being used in Bud Light advertising. It's the fourth year Skittles has teamed up with GLAAD to support the LGBTQ plus community by amplifying and celebrating their stories, according to Skittles' official website. So um, that's the story. They put the trans stuff on the packaging, and and there there have been calls that I've seen on social media uh, over the last few days of conservatives to boycott Skittles. And I think this is just, and and that has not gone anywhere. Um, Those calls uh, haven't gone anywhere. And so if there are people asking, well, why didn't you jump on the Skittles thing? Why weren't you calling for a boycott? Well, because boycotts, as as I'm always preaching, boycotts are not, if they're going to be effective, it's not just an opportunity for you to vent for your frustrations. That's not what a boy. That's how conservatives have handled boycotts historically. That when we say boycott, we just mean I'm mad, and I just want to say that I'm mad, so I'm saying boycott because I'm mad. Um, I'm not interested in that. Boycotts are strategic. They have to be strategic, which means that you pick your targets strategically. Just because a company does something egregious, as Skittles did, that doesn't make them necessarily a good target. And that's why I didn't jump on the boycott bit. Now, I'm not going to go, I don't, yeah, don't buy Skittles. Absolutely. I don't buy Skittles anyway. I have no interest. Um, I'm not going to buy Skittles for my kids, okay? And I certainly won't now. That's true. So, yeah, I'm not going to buy Skittles, and you shouldn't either. Um, but they're not a, they, they, are, they are not a good strategic boycott target. Um, Bud Light, very good strategic target. Because we, as conservatives, the ones who are rightly rightly upset about this, about what Bud Light did, we had a lot of leverage that we could use. Okay, because we could say to Bud Light, like, you need, you can't, 
exist as a brand without us. So you have just spit in the face of the people you need. And that was a mistake. And now you're going to feel the pain. And we're going to make an example out of you. And we did. Skittles, as conservatives, we don't have a whole lot of leverage. Like, do we have do red state conservatives? Uh, does that make up the predominant you know, customer base for Skittles? Probably not. So that's the main point. It's just there's not enough leverage to have a successful boycott campaign. And um, if, if you don't have the leverage to make the campaign successful, then it's just dumb to call for one because then it doesn't work and you look bad. You look stupid. Uh, it sends exactly the wrong message. So this is one of those things where it makes much more sense to say, that's gross, that's stupid, I'm not going to buy Skittles, um, and, then, and then just kind of, and then move on. Um, uh, because this is what we don't want. We don't want conservatives calling the shot and say, we're going to boycott, and then nothing happens. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the brand suffers no losses whatsoever. Again, for, for years, that's what happened with conservatives. We call them, boycott them, boycott them, boycott them. And it amounted to nothing because we were randomly choosing targets that we had no leverage over at all. And it made us look bad and it sends the wrong, it sends exactly the opposite message that we want to send. And the message is like, we have, we have power here. We're going to use it. We're going to leverage it. And so you better stop spitting in our faces. Um. And also, again, just don't buy it's Skittles. It's like basically poison. You give your kids Skittles, you're, like, you're, you're essentially giving them poison. Why would you do that? Uh, let's see. Here's, a one, here's one where we do have some leverage. Daily Wire has this report. Branding experts warn that Disney's live-action Snow White remake could become a colossal failure based on comments made by the lead actress Rachel Zegler. The 22-year-old star had been uh, making headlines recently for comments regarding the original 1937 film storyline, which is based on a German fairy tale. Zegler said she hated the classic love story and thought it was weird, plus labeled the prince as a stalker. Uh, these are the latest comments. I think we have those. Let's play those. I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. So we didn't do that this time. <laughs> so, no, so no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because, like, we cast a guy in the movie, right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yep. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024. Um, all of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. Okay, I gotta I say, one of the reasons why I find this so personally annoying is that uh, I, have enjoy, I have enjoyed joking around about, like, taking these stories way too literally. This, this is a, what she just said there is a joke that I have made in the past, I think, on this show about Snow White, where I just take the story way too literally, and in a literal version of the story, you've got this woman who, like, first of all, breaks into the house with a bunch of midgets and, like, just, just spreads out on their, their bed and, and falls asleep. Like, who does that? And the prince shows up out of nowhere, and she's, like, dead as far as he knows and kisses her. Um, it's a necrophilia. Uh, and, but now it's not funny anymore because now the people actually remaking the story are unironically taking that perspective of taking it way too literally and deciding that it's creepy. So they've taken the joke 
And now they are literally interpreting the story that way and correcting it accordingly. Uh, and this is only the latest comment from Rachel Zegler, who this is apparently the marketing strategy by Disney to take the lead actress for Snow White and have her spend the year up to the release of the film talking openly about how much she hates the story. And she's made this very clear in many comments, in many public comments. She despises this story. She has no affection for it whatsoever. And so we're, we're long past the days where Disney does a, a remake and the remake is kind of bad, but at least the actors who are involved in a remake come out and they talk about how much the story means to them and how much they want to stay faithful to the original and it just means so much and they're so excited to be a part of it. She's not doing that anymore. She's like, I hate this story. This sucks. Okay? And this is the strategy that Disney is, this is the marketing strategy that Disney has decided to go with. Uh, and it's it's going to be, I mean, I, they, are, they are gearing up for, I think, many of these recent Disney remakes have been flops. They're gearing up for what might end up being Disney's worst flop of all time, uh, I think is what they're, they're headed for. Because this isn't, unlike with Skittles, this is an area where we, as the people who are annoyed by this, we have a lot of leverage. Because we're the ones with kids who would take our kids to see a movie like this. Like, not even conservative, but just normal families and parents with kids. We are the ones, Disney, that you need. You need us to buy tickets for this movie. You need us to find the story and the movie appealing and say, wow, I want to take my kids to that. And not only do I want to take my kids to that, but I want to sit and watch it. I want to exp experience this as a family. And so we're all watching this. We're saying, no, I want no part of this. Why would I want? This is not a remake. This is like, a, 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 this, is, this is reparations. This is a correction, okay? That's what we need to start looking at these. That's how we need to start looking at these uh, Disney remakes. They're not remakes. They are corrections. They are PC corrections. This is the 2023 correction of Snow White, where they're going back and they're not retelling the story. They are correcting it according to their own ideological proclivities. And very few people would have any interest in that whatsoever. You're advertising ahead of time. You know what? We're taking all the magic out of this, all the charm, all the romance, all the love, all of that. Everything is gone. For the sake of being empowering. Because that's empowering, right? I know I feel empowered. Just uh, watching something that is lifeless and dull and cynical and, and, and just with no charm or magic to it. Very empowering. All right, here's something empowering too. One more thing before we get to the comments. Subway is from Forbes. Subway, the uh, international quick service restaurant chain, is offering free sandwiches for life to one lucky winner who agrees to legally change their first name to Subway and said Tuesday nearly 10,000 people answered the call in just four days. This is not the first time Subway has asked fans to commit outrageous acts in exchange for free sandwiches. In 2022, Subway gave James Coons of Fort Collins, Colorado, free sandwiches for life via a $50,000 a $50, gift card after he got a 12-by-12-inch 12 12 tattoo of the logo of, of Subway's latest promotion, the Subway Series. It's amazing there are people that are this loyal to the Subway brand. I mean, a $50,000 gift card to Subway is not a gift. It's a punishment. It's like a life sentence because Subway is awful. 
And I'm not even just talking about the whole thing where they made their brand uh, synonymous with a pedophile, and yet people still want to change their name to it, which is uh, amazing. But the product itself is also terrible. Like every Subway smells weird to begin with. They don't, they, they don't smell like fresh bread or deli meat. I don't know what that smell is. They smell bizarre. They smell like sadness. Uh, they smell, I, I've never been inside one, but they smell to me like the, the, maybe the, the employee break room at a DM, at like a DMV. I don't know why they, it just, they do. I, I can't explain that they do. And the bread is always stale. The deli meat tastes like it's been sitting at room temperature since last Wednesday because it was. The lettuce is wilted. The green prep peppers taste like E. coli. The service is usually terrible. The employees are high. I mean, they put these things in gas stations. So you got a guy that was just cleaning up a gas bill at pump 12, now making your Italian BMT. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'll still eat it. Like, I was just at a subway a couple days ago. So I'll still eat there because I'm a fat American shoveling garbage into my face. But that doesn't change the fact that it's bad, which is why everyone is like angry at subway. I don't know if you notice that when you're at a subway. No one is, it's not, it's not, it's not like a Jersey Mike's or a firehouse subs where there's some. There's some life and laughter when you go in. At Subway, everyone's mad while they're eating their stale bread and their Oscar Mayer mystery meat. And this is what you want your name to be? Just so you can eat there for life? Jared ate at Subway every day for years. And look what he turned into. So I rest my case. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? to blame it's a sweet baby gang have you ever wondered if you could turn your tech obsession into your profession with the help of the team at covalence now you can since 2015 covalence has taught thousands of people of all ages the art of software development with their new community membership they're making it easier and more affordable than ever before for only 25 bucks a month you can master full stack web development their comprehensive proven curriculum has a community-based support with real people available to help you when you need it. They also have an AI teaching assistant that could create instant challenges, interactive quizzes, and more. Covalence is less than 83 cents per day. It's about 120 times cheaper than your average college. So whether you're looking to change your career or level up in your current profession, you learn to build real websites and applications by actually building them, for real. Get your first month free with code Walsh by clicking the link in the description. Don't just browse the web, build it with Covalence. That's promo code Walsh with the link in the description. Sarah says, Matt, I know you're a big advocate for marriage, but what do you say to a wife whose husband transitions, quote unquote, to a woman without her consent or agreement? Is she justified in leaving him? I believe in preserving the marriage, but in some cases of extreme abuse or infidelity, the marriage cannot be saved. Does this rise to that level? Um, no, it doesn't rise to that level. It rises considerably above that level. Uh, your husband transitioning is worse than abuse, and it's worse than infidelity because it's an extreme form of both combined. Um, he is abusing you and your children, you know, if you have children, abusing emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. He's inflicting his delusions and fetishes on you and the family. And it's infidelity because he's betraying his vows. He's betraying you, betraying the family for the sake of uh, chasing his fetish. So should you leave him? Well, absolutely, no question. That's not even a tough call. Um, he's already made the call. He's gone. I mean, he's committed basically a form of suicide, killing off the husband and father that you knew and the one you pledged yourself to and your life to. And what stands in his place is still a man, yes, but it's not, it's not that man. It's something else. 
Are you required to stay in a marriage with a guy who's mutilated himself and spends every day pretending to be a woman? Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, not only are you not required to, but you shouldn't. He chose a fantasy over your family, and now and now he can be alone with that fantasy. That's the only way. In fact, it's almost certain that the marriage was never valid to begin with if the husband transitions at any point, really. I mean, uh, to me, that is that is a very clear indication when the husband transitions, a very clear indication that the marriage never even existed, actually. Uh, it was never real because the man apparently had these delusions and fantasies that he never disclosed. Um, so the marriage was on false pretenses. Like this is a, this is a crucial fact that, right, if you're a woman in a situation like this, a crucial fact that if the man had told you this, oh, by the way, I, I think I'm a woman. I like dressing up like one. If he had told you that, you would not have married him. Um, and he, and he withheld that information. And so the marriage is on false pretenses. It never existed in, a, in the Catholic church. It's, you know, in my mind would be a definite, like slam dunk case for annulment. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, I would say to any woman in that situation, you should leave or, or more precisely, you don't leave, he leaves, kick his ass out and he can go get an apartment somewhere and have his little fantasy, but not around you and not around the kids. Um, all right. Cool Papa J Magic says, apology doesn't help when you're facing a social lynching. It makes everything worse. You absolutely must double down and stick to your guns. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing you really can do. It's, it's, that's why I'm always, uh, preaching against the public apology. And, um, the only course of action that you even have available to you is exactly that, is to double down, to refuse to apologize. And at the very least, if you do that, then you have your defenders on your side. But you know, one of the many problems with the public apology is that once you've done that, the people that are, you know, the, the people in the, the outrage mob, they're not going to be satisfied with it. They're not going to be on your side, even if you apologize. The people that, you, that have been defending you, now you've stabbed them in the back. You've pulled out the rug from under them. And now you're left really alone and isolated. Um, Anna Maria says, no, you're not crazy. You are correct. That is not the same person. I'm talking about the plain, uh, plain lady who, who did issue a public apology. And the video didn't look the same to me at all. And there was a lot of comments saying, oh, she's just wearing makeup. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's makeup. Maybe it's lighting. Maybe it's a deep fake. Who knows? But it does not look like the same person to me. Um, Justin says, I want an apology, but from the lizard person who upset the nice lady. That's a very good point. And I mean, I, and I say this in all sincerity, okay? Because I actually had this thought too. Okay. She thought she saw some kind of shape-shifting lizard person on the plane. Um, she thought she saw someone who's not real. And, and maybe she was wrong. Maybe. Like, we don't even know if she was wrong or not. That has not been confirmed yet. And I don't think it ever will. But she, that's what she thought she saw. So, so what is she, like, if you think that you saw a lizard person on the plane, in fact, alerting everybody is, it, it, it's, that's a, a selfless act. That's pretty courageous, honestly. I mean, you can make the argument that what she did was pretty courageous. You know, setting herself up for, uh, for mockery. Because she thought she saw something. They always say, if you see something, say, say something. 
And so what, if you think you see a lizard person on the plane, you're not going to say anything? Here's my point. If I'm on the plane and you think you see a lizard person, definitely tell me. Okay, maybe you're wrong, but I would rather know. And give me a chance to look, because I might look back and I'll say, no, it's just an ugly person. That's not a lizard person. I don't think. So give us all a chance to assess the situation. What I would not want you to do is to say, oh, that's a lizard person on a plane, and then just quietly get off and then whisper, good luck, everybody, and walk and walk off and go get a different flight, right? That's not what I would want you to do. Um, I don't think that's the right approach. And so I... Here's what I'm worried about is that from all of this, now we're going to have a real problem where we've set a precedent that if you see a lizard person on a plane, you don't say anything. And now there might be a lot of, uh, you know, plane crashes in the future from lizard people taking over planes because the people who see it don't say anything because they're remembering crazy plane lady. So that's a whole other way of looking at this situation. Whether it's changing the definition of words or trying to convince you that two plus two actually equals five, it, it sometimes feels like the current culture is doing its best to make you stupid. When wokeness is permeating every aspect of your life, it's hard to know where to turn for guidance. But I got some good news for you. Our good friend, Dennis Prager, has all the answers in his Daily Wire Plus PragerU Master's Program. The master's Program, Dennis Prager has gathered 40 years worth of wisdom and is sharing it on a number of wide-ranging subjects. Uh, Dennis offers useful advice on marriage, happiness, and how to be a good person, plus so much more. In a world that wants to make you woke, Dennis Prager's on a mission to make you wise. All episodes are now available, but only for Daily Wire Plus members, so don't wait. Go to dailywireplus.com to become a member and watch PragerU Master's Program today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Well, a couple of times a year, as a nation, we return to this topic, this great question, where should parents be allowed to bring their kids? What parts of society should families with young children have access to? Now, I'm not talking about the debate over children at things like drag shows, which is not a debate at all. They just simply shouldn't be there. The problem with with bringing your child to a drag show is that the content of the show is not appropriate for the child. It is for the child's sake that we object to the child being there. What I'm talking about is the debate that centers around the needs and preferences of other adults. In what context is your child's presence going to be an unfair burden on other adults? Predictably, it's always the childless adults who have very strong feelings about this subject. And this week, one such childless adult went viral with her video demanding that parents stop bringing their kids to bars, breweries, and potentially dozens of other places as well. This video has 150,000 likes, so apparently a great many people agree with her. And here's what she says. Watch. 2023 parents are my favorite. Like, we're not just bringing our kids, we're making ourselves at home. Now, you can consider me biased because I'm aggressively opposed to the idea of having children. For myself, that is. But if you take your child to a place where they are actively engaged in the process of producing or processing an age-restricted substance alcohol, marijuana, cigarettes, whatever, if you take your child into one of these places, you are objectively and unequivocally the asshole in that situation. It's non-negotiable. It's, there's nothing to debate. You are the asshole in that situation, not only because your child just doesn't belong there, but because you are actively making the experience worse for every other adult present. You don't want me to curse around your child. You don't want me to talk about who I was f***ing on. 
over the weekend. You don't want me to have an adult conversation around your child. Here's a thought. Stop bringing your children into bars and breweries. There's literally nothing for them to do there. They're bored and you're all. Thank you so much. Okay, now, because this point of view is widely shared by other bitter, childless spinsters, it's worth responding to in some detail. And we're going to leave aside the, the irony that this woman would almost certainly tell us that children shouldn't be allowed in places that serve alcohol unless that place is a drag show. I highly, highly doubt that this person agrees with our law here in Tennessee, for example, banning children from attending sexualized performances. I highly doubt she agrees with that, but we will not allow that glaring issue to sidetrack us. There are too many other glaring issues to deal with. So, first, you don't want children in places that produce or process an age-restricted item. And you then list bars as one of those places, which means that by process, you apparently mean sell. And if that's the case, then you have also banned children from nearly every restaurant, every plane, every gas station, most grocery stores, every pharmacy, every convenience store, every Best Buy or Walmart that sells R-rated Blu-rays, etc. You've basically banned children from all of society, which I understand is a feature, not a bug as far as you are concerned, but that is what you're talking about. Second, you say that, um, you know, I as a, a parent that I don't want you talking about who you were having sex with over the weekend because my kids might hear you. And it's true that I don't want my kids to hear that gross conversation, but I, I don't want to hear it either, even if I don't have my kids with me. Okay, you shouldn't be going around having conversations like that loud enough that any stranger of any age can hear it. Actually, it's better just to not have that conversation at all. See, part of the miscommunication here is that you think that we don't want you to act like a gross, vulgar pig because our kids are with us, but you're only half right. We also just don't want you to act like that at all, period. So you don't have a problem with kids. You have a problem, apparently, with being a civilized human being. You say that cussing loudly and talking about your revolting sexual exploits is an adult conversation, but this only reflects the very unfortunate way in which the word adult in our culture has come to mean profane and crass. But that's not what it really means or should mean. The kind of conversation you're talking about, it's not an adult conversation. And the behavior you want to engage in is not adult behavior. It's actually childish, not in content, but in the fact that you apparently have a problem conforming yourself to a basic standard of conduct. Ironically, uh, you don't want to be around children because you are childish. It's not that children prevent you from acting adult. It's that they interfere with your ability to act like a child. So it's not that you, you, you want there to be no children at the brewery. You just want to be yourself the only child at the brewery. Third, I'm, I am biased also, I admit. Uh, you're lonely and single. I have a family and six kids. But it's not just my bias talking when I tell you this. If you hate children and don't want to be around them at all, anywhere, then you are the asshole in the situation and in life generally. It is not okay to hate children. That's just like not an okay opinion to have. You can have it. Can't stop you, but it's, it's not an okay thing to think. You shouldn't think that. It reflects a profound character flaw in yourself. It reveals a deep sickness in your soul. Of all the people to reflexively despise, children are the absolutely absolute least deserving. Kids are innocent, naive, energetic, fun. Sure, they can wear on the nerves sometimes, but at least they have a valid excuse whenever they act annoying and disruptive. They're kids. They're still learning. Their brains aren't fully developed. You, on the other hand, are an obnoxious, irritating jerk without any of those built-in excuses. You don't want to be around kids. I don't want to be around people like you, but we live in a society together, so I know that I have to deal with such encounters just like you do. 
It's funny to me that our culture pretends to oppose bigotry, and yet the one group of people that it's socially acceptable to openly despise, aside from heterosexual white men, is children. We have no problem with someone simply stating that they don't like kids and don't want to be around them. And yet, if I said the same thing about any other group, it would be considered horribly bigoted. Meanwhile, again, kids are the least deserving of that treatment out of all the groups on earth. If you're going to have an instinctive revulsion towards any group, kids should be the very last on that list. But the good news, for me anyway, is that your hang-ups and your bitterness are your problem. That's why I will gladly walk into any environment with my six kids. We just went to a restaurant on Sunday, and, uh, and, I, and I will think nothing of the dirty looks we get. And we get a lot of them, okay, when we go in there with our circus. And parents of large families, they, they know these looks very well. People do not disguise their disgust and reflexive contempt as soon as we walk in the door. Our presence is already a burden on everyone else, even before my kids have opened their mouths. It's like they don't even, we don't even get a chance to prove how well-behaved my kids are in public, because as soon as they're there, everyone's looking, oh my God, look at this. And some parents of large families are, are bothered by this treatment, but I'm not. I'm really not. I will come and sit right next to you with my school bus load of kids, and if you don't like it, that's your problem. You can glare all you want. I don't care. You, you, you can ask for the check and leave if you want. I, we've seen that too. Doesn't matter. Doesn't bother me. It's your problem. My family is allowed to participate in society same as you. My children aren't going to stay locked up in the house until they turn 18 for fear that their presence might be an encumbrance on any resentful losers we happen to come across. Society should welcome and celebrate families. Okay? It should go out of its way to include us as much as possible. That's what a healthy society does. In a healthy society, people are happy when they see families with young, happy kids. This should make you happy to see that. If it doesn't, again, there is something wrong with you. You know, as families with young kids, we make the world younger, more vibrant, more beautiful, more alive. We ensure the very future of the human species. What the hell are you doing? Besides gossiping at the bar about sexual conquest that, let's be honest, you're probably making up. That's what you should ask yourself. While I order my kids some chicken tenders from the kids' menu, and you glare at us, secretly resenting the fact that we have the life you want but will never have. And that's why you're canceled. And that'll do it for this portion of the show. Let's move over to the members block. You become a member today by using code Walsh to check out for two months free on all annual plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlow, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlow's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlow's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. 
Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE.